Look at there, it's articulated. She tried to say articulated. <laughs> she didn't know what it meant, but it was a cool word. He's, uh, he was Paul's messenger to Cor Corinth. He took the letter, letters to Corinth when Paul wrote those letters. He was the messenger that took them. He traveled with Paul on several different occasions, maybe even from a good part of his missionary journeys. But in all of that, we have a book that was written from Paul to Titus. Titus was, uh, when Paul was visiting Crete after he was released from Rome, it, we don't have any record of how Paul got from Rome back to, uh, to Crete or to any of Ephesus. We know he visited Ephesus afterwards. Uh, he visited Miletus. He visited the, the churches after and before his second arrest. So we see that there's a and and then last week I gave the probable order, and this is not altogether guesswork, but it's places where we see Paul writing letters to certain people or to certain churches during or after his first imprisonment. So Titus was an important part of Paul's ministry. He was one who was relied upon. He's uh, a person that Paul considered one of his sons in the Lord in service to God. It was somebody he could count on. And that's a that's a marvelous thing to have people you can count on to to carry out the work that the Lord has given you know and so many places don't have that and it's a, it's a marvelous thing um, I'm going to give you kind of an outline of Titus it's only the whole book is only three chapters and they're very short chapters at that so he starts off with greetings and and then he goes into elders this is all in the first book he said the elders and their qualifications are verses five through nine it's a very short thing but, uh, then he goes into and he I I've labeled them troublemakers. And then he, he talks about uh, offenders. 
in the church, people who are well, making trouble for the church, who are teaching other things that should not be taught in the church, and doing things that shouldn't be done in the church. And, and then he goes from that, and he goes into the operations of the church. And he, in that part, he, he has uh, the duties of ministers. He has the Christian living in response to God's grace and a demonstration of good works. And under that demonstration of good works, uh, he talks about our, our relationship to governments, their relationship to the Roman government or to governors or whoever was over them. And then we have Christian living in general for all people and towards all people, not just the people in the church, but everyone. And then there's the response of the church to false teachers. And this, it, it goes back to those uh, people up above that I labeled troublemakers. Now that's my term. I w that wasn't one that I saw anywhere, but we all know that term and we know who those people are. We, we see them and we say, okay, we know what he, in, we know what they're up to, you know? And, and then he, towards the last part of the book, he's, he gives a, gives personal directives to Titus and about certain people and a farewell. So that's the, the outline of the book. So let's take a look at that and read in Titus and see some of the things. Now, when, I, when we think of the book of Titus, we usually think about pastors, elders, uh, overseers, however you want to say that, and their qualifications. And that is a main thing in here. However, I want you to realize that they are just the exemplary leaders. And that's pointed out in here, that that is their purpose, is to be an exemplary leader for all of us. And these qualifications should apply to every one of us. We should each seek to be what what these requirements require. And it's a it's a process of growth. When we submit to the Lord and and are saved, receive his salvation. That is the starting point. And then our our, you know, the scripture says, this day is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And so we have salvation to look forward to, not only presently, and certainly that should be a part of our life too. And that is having God save us from untoward thinking. It, uh, that's another Ed Brown term. Uh, it's thinking that isn't right. And we each need to guard ourselves and 
Paul said, I keep under my body. Keep it in subjection. And we need to do that with our minds, too. And ask God to direct our minds and our hearts and our thinking so that these other things that aren't God's will are subverted, are taken away. And so so they don't become a problem to us because our our own thinking is what gets in our way. My, my brother Dave says, everywhere I go, there I am. <laughs> I have to, I'm, I run into myself everywhere I go, you know? And I'm the big problem. It's not God. God is there all the time, but I have to learn to rely on him, to not rely on me. Because when I rely on me, I bump into myself again, uh-oh. I'm, I'm off track again, you know? And so we see this uh, need to stay on track. And this is what the book of Titus, to me, says. There's a portion of it in here that, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but it gives us reasons for why we do what we do as Christians. And that doesn't just apply to the pastor. It applies to all of us. So let's, let's read this. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness in the hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested even his, his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true child, in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So here Paul is writing. He gives his purpose, his mission and speaks to Titus as his son whom he left there on the island of Crete for the purpose of appointing elders in every city and he says as I directed you so he had talked with Titus told him what to do how to do it so we don't have all of that but Titus had this call to his memory and that is the opening greeting. Paul says, this is, this is where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I instructed you as to what I want you to do there on the island of Crete. And I, I think this introduction here, he speaks of the hope of eternal life, 
which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Long ages ago. That's an interesting thing. We think of this time, the 70 years that we have on this timeline up here as being a very short time. But he said long ages ago. There's a salvation that was promised in the Old Testament to those who followed God. And this is hope of eternal life that God promised who cannot lie. But then he says that the proper time he showed these things. He manifested them. Even his word. You know how John starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was. This Word is Jesus Christ. Jesus was in the beginning. He was there with God at creation. And He is the promised Savior, the Messiah, that the Jews look forward to. So, Paul says this, the proclamation of this coming of Jesus Christ was entrusted to me by the commandment of our God and our Savior. He says this is, this is our mission to tell about Jesus Christ, the Word, the Word of God, the will and purpose of God. And so it's not just a matter, you know, this is spoken to Titus by Paul. And Paul was a, a chosen vessel. Titus was a messenger also to the island of Crete. And later in his life to Dalmatia, Yugoslavia, as we know it today. Or have known it in, in time between then and now. So... Here, Paul gives a, this greeting. Let's, let's go on. Uh, this goes into the qualifications of, uh, and speaks about elders and their qualifications. And verse, uh, verse 6, he, he says, uh, you should appoint elders uh, in every city as I directed. Those are the cities on the island of Crete. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious. Um, the, I think the King James says, a, not a brawler, not one who, who picks fights, not fond of sordid game. You know, that is many people in the world. You know, we see people... Uh, who buy stock in corporations so they can get 
gain from those corporations. They don't care what that corporate, how the corporation makes that money, just so long as they get their share. And that's, he said, he gives these qualifications. He goes on in verse 8, he says, but hospitable, uh, loving, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. These are good attributes. Uh, loving is, that's the commandment of God, to love one another. Love others as you love yourself. Be hospitable, even to the people that are uh, that are travelers, that you don't know who they are, what their background is. Be hospitable, uh, loving what is good. You know, there are people that love things that like they love their I don't, I don't know their their automobile or their their yacht or whatever they love, but this is not. It's loving that which is good, that which is beneficial to to others. Sensible. No, no, that's a, that's a term that we all know what it means, but I I think it's reasonable is another way of saying that. You're easily reasoned. You have a, the ability to reason things out and to, to understand other people. Just. That means you, you are not biased, one-sided. Uh, uh, and then devout. That means that you serve God regularly, constantly. It's part of a person's nature being devout. Self-controlled. That, that's a tough one for most people. Controlling self. Uh, not flying off the handle, not getting upset and agitated, uh, taking things personally. Uh, you know, that it's a hard thing to do to control self. But he goes on in verse 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who, who contradict, who contradict that sound doctrine. <clears throat> this means not only do you understand the sound doctrine, but you're able to teach it and able to refute the things that the naysayers to Christianity and to Christian living have to say. So this is a part of being a good minister. And, you know, this is a, you know, it's, it's good to find people like this who are able to do that, who, to, who can fit those qualifications. But you know what? Each one of us 
should be these things. This is what God wants of, of his people. So no matter what your position is in life, uh, say, say you're a, a daycare worker, would these qualifications be good for you too? For teaching children? Absolutely. Uh, what if what if you're put in charge of a detail in the, in the military even? You know, a, a, a squad leader. Of course, you these these would all be good things to have. Anytime you're leading anyone else, directing someone else. Uh, instructing someone else. These are good qualifications for all of us. He goes on here now into offenders in the church, those troublemakers. He says, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. So he's talking about those Judaizers here in particular. But it is not just them. There are other people. People who want to have things done their way. Not God's way necessarily. That doesn't bother them one bit. They don't even think about God's way. They want things done their way. And they're, since they're empty talkers and deceivers, they, they want people to see things their way. Um, it says they're rebellious. What are they rebelling against? They're rebelling against doing things God's way. <coughs> Pardon me. He says, and he goes on in verse 11, he says, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. They're making money off of people. Now, I don't know how they were doing it there on the island of Crete, but they were selling their, uh, their wares, whatever they were, their ideas to people for, for their own gain. Maybe it was just to, the gain may not even have been monetary. I mean, the idea here is the idea of money. But just to have things their way is a reward for them. And if it's against God, it's not good. He says, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttonous. Well, he was quoting there. One of their poets, uh, a poet from the island of Crete, and I had a note here. Uh, it's quoted the Cretan poet Ep Epinides, who exaggerated for effect. Uh, to Cretanize was to lie. <laughs> and it, you know, it's to paint paint the picture in a lie. So he said, even he, to quote this guy who was from the island of Crete saying, 
all Cretans are liars, low bellies, whatever. You know, doesn't paint them in a, in a good picture, but he's trying to make a point here. The, the poet was trying to make a point. Uh, and Paul says, this testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them uh, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. Now wait a minute. Sound in the faith. That means they're inside the church. Whoops. Whoops. How'd they get in there? But what is the purpose? Why are you reproving them soundly so that they can be brought back into line? back into what God wants. Not what they want. Not what man wants. But to bring them back. And this is an important point. Andy, you have something there. I, I, I just see you bubbling with it. Yeah, as missionaries, I've experienced this. Um, because here we are, we're having services with a family that is wanting us to come. And then this guy comes during the week and talks to them and says that they should, he hears what they're believing and what we've taught them. He says, oh, he says, but you know, there's more to it than that. He says, it's not just that you believe, then you have, you know, after you're saved, there's all these other things you need to do. He says, that's just the beginning. And then he starts adding on all these other things you're supposed to do. Um, all the other religions on earth, besides uh, ours, if you want to call them roughly Christian religions, everything else is based on what you do. Yes. And it's all works based. The only thing that's grace is grace. And we're the only ones that hold out grace, as far as I know, as a genuine, this is all you do. And then whatever else you do, that's just like to say thank you because you have earned, you don't have to earn it, you can't earn it. And you've already got it if you have been saved. So what you do from then on, yes, of course there's an obligation because you owe everything we are and have or could have. Everything is God's because he created us, he preserved us, and daily he helps us and he saved us. And Of course we owe him everything. And of course you give him everything you've got. But that's not to earn salvation. It's because you have salvation. So as this guy came in and he was trying to teach him this stuff, and we came in after him and said, okay, you can choose. But this is what we've taught you. Look here at this verse, this verse, and there's lots of verses. And we lined them out and showed them, and they looked at that, and they said, he's not telling the truth. <laughs> and they said, why is he doing this? And I said, well, did he try to sell you something? And they said, well, he thought we might like to buy his books. <laughs> you know, and, and there's all these people down there, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, a whole bunch of people down there, even some Catholic people, and they're selling products. I mean, the Catholics are selling holy water for heaven's sake. dispensations. And, everybody's yeah, all, all of that kind of stuff. They yeah. got things they're making money off of, or that they get paid by somebody to produce followers, so therefore they get money for doing what they do. But sure. it says here, that you don't give heed to, it says Jewish fables there, but you can fill in the blank. Any, any kind of fables. fables. Commandments of men, anything else but the truth, we're not to pay attention to it, and it's important for us to teach clearly and plainly and 
emphatically and over and over again that there is only grace. There is nothing else. And this is the whole section here is, and you'll find that in 16 there it's going to say it too, is people who say they know God and yet they aren't doing what he said or not saying what he said. They're adding to it. They're making it into something else. They're making money off of it. Right. They're they're making people follow them so they feel good about themselves. They have all these other agendas, but there is only one agenda that God has, and that's getting the message of grace, only grace, nothing but grace, to people who need it to save them from going to hell, and so they can have the joy of walking with Him. This is this is why I I say after you've learned John three sixteen, learn. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. This is why we do good works, not because we have to, but because we get to. We are changed. We are transformed from the world into a child of God. We're brought into a new way of thinking. Our thinking has been transformed and that's why the good works created in for good works. That's why why we were created. But if we do our own thing, do do what we want to do, do what makes us money, makes us uh, uh, glorious in some way, we're not following God. We're not doing His will. Tyler, you have a... We'll get into this a little later, but uh, you know, Philippians chapter 4 talks about thinking on, on the excellent things. You know... Think the, on the, these things. The, yes. one, the one thing that, that we struggle with the most, and, and this is what this particular passage here in Titus is talking about, about overseers, and of course it is, and it's very applicable to the entire church. No, no bones about that. Even though right here he's particularly addressing a young minister, that's that's the point. Yes. Is that if we intend to to serve the Lord, it is to focus on doing his doing doing what he has called us. Doing to do. his will. Yes. And his will, I, not that ours. You mentioned Philippians in chapter four, it says for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's he changes, he transforms our minds. But we need to yield to that and actually seek it in our lives. And and that's where we have that transformation. And if, and, and if we and in that instance too, Colossians chapter three, focusing on the things above. When we fill up our week with nonsense, I'm, and I'm, I'm using that term very very broadly, very loosely. Sure. We fill up our week with nonsense. What do we expect to get back from that? Yeah. Nonsense. We yeah. Nothing of value, right? It's like a computer. Uh, junk in, junk out. So, you know, that's what so you get. Sometimes, just like we do our computers, we have to debug, we have to defrag, and get rid of all the junk, right? <laughs> Isn't that true? So... We have to go through and throughout the week, and we have to focus on the things that the Lord has given us. Yes. And the things that don't come from us because <laughs> we're not capable of that stuff. 
No. Only in Christ are we capable if, because it's reckoned to us that way. And you know, it's a, it's a good thing that I don't have to keep myself saved. And God does that. He's the one. The only thing you but have I have to yield to that. I have to be yielded to it. And that's where the difference comes in. And that would let well, we'll come we'll come back to some of this in, it's okay, I'll in this later. thing. Yeah. All right. Well uh, he says in that verse fourteen, he said, not paying attention to Jewish myths or commandments of men, but turn away from the truth. So you don't want to be listening to these people. You know God's will for your life. Do that. And don't let these other people distract you from that. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. Wow. That says a lot about where they're coming from, what their purpose, what their intent is. They profess to know God, but their deeds they deny. In their deeds, or by their deeds, they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Whoa, that's quite an accusation. Paul says, this is who they are. You be careful of these people. Now, now he's talking to Titus here. Or is he talking to us? These, these letters were shared. It wasn't just for that, for Titus. And God wouldn't have included it in, in the gospel here, in, in his word, if it wasn't so. If it wasn't for all of us. And I think we need to look at this and realize that there are people like these. And and these Judaizers were just that example. That the they were the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Andy? Yeah. What you end up with, the reason there's all this debate about this and so many people falling for it, is because you've got two ends of a pendulum swing. And neither one is really right. You have people who say that you've got to do works to be saved. That's one end of the spectrum. That's the Judaizers and the, you know, the works for salvation people. Almost everybody's over there. But there are a few on the other end of the spectrum, too, that are also, and unfortunately, a lot of Baptists are over there because they say, you know, I've been saved, therefore now I can do anything I want with the rest of my life. It's mm -hmm. mine. And they live like everybody else. You can't tell them from the heathen. And they think they're saved, therefore they, they're they finished. They, they maybe go to church or something and they think they're holy because they do. And what they don't understand is that your soul is saved when you're saved. That's permanent, that never changes. But your everyday life, it has to continually be saved. That's the salvation of the life, That's yes. That's right, it's that, and we've got that. If you are actually truly saved, the person that's happy, I mean, if you don't do anything more than your initial salvation, I have a good question whether you're saved in the first place because if you're not motivated, if you don't understand how important it is to dedicate everything to God, then you just missed the boat. You yes. just never did understand what you did if you did it. 
because our, our lives belong to him. Everything we have is from him, and everything you are blessed with is from him. Yes. And to not want to give it back, I would say you're just not a child of God if you don't want to give it back. This. So there's, there's that. It says, to every good work reprobate, in English, or I'm sorry, yeah. King right. James Version here, it's talking about that they can't, they're incapable <laughs> of doing good works. Why? Because oh. they're totally self-centered. Oh, it's an egocentric thing. And we need to realize that we can be egocentric yes. as much as they. And we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit so that it can guide us. God doesn't force things on us. He doesn't do that. But if we are receptive, he says he giveth more grace to the humble, to those that are, are yielded to him. Those who would give their lives to serve God's will. But they are the ones that God blesses the most. They can be used. They are useful in God's way. And we want to be useful to God. You should say, walk the talk. Walk the talk. That's a good way to put it. So, yes. So who are, these, who are these men that do this? These are the, these are the, the ones we've talked about a couple months ago. These are the Elamites, the, the the ones that, that find themselves in the company of Jezebel, these are those, you know, those ones that pervert the gospel and exchange it for a lot, so to speak. Right. You know, whether it's through Gnosticism or whether it's through mixing with pagan pagan worship, you know, that that's that's what he's addressing here because of, of course Crete was had some of these same things that everywhere else dealt with. Sure. And so well, in order for them to, to not succumb to that, they had to understand that what was ex what was expected of one exercising faith versus what was expect what came out of those that were seeking to destroy what what the Lord had mildly worked through them. Yes. You know. And, you know, I I saw this in Vietnam even where I asked uh, a Vietnamese man that I was talking with, I said, what religion are you? You know, he was acting religious and putting, he said, well, I'm several religions. I'm Tao Dai, Buddhist, Catholic, and he named another one, and I've never heard of that one, you know. But these blended very, he said they blend very well together. Our God is a jealous God. His, his service isn't the service of the world. These others don't fit. We need to realize that and trust Him alone. And when somebody asks you, what is your religion? I serve the only God there is. The only one. And I have to do it His way. Not my way, not your way, not somebody else's way. I have to do it his way. That's the only way. All right, enough of that. Let's, let's move on here. We're running out of time here. Um, chapter 2. But as for you, I'm talking to Titus here. <coughs> Pardon me. Speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine 
that's a simple phrase. <laughs> sound doctrine. What is that? Paul taught sound doctrine. I think Timothy knew what he was talking about here. And he goes on. He says, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. They should be stable people. People who are uh, not flighty, not uh, going off in 40 different directions all at once, you know. He said, they, this is older men. They need to be stable and dedicated. That's probably a word I would use here too. But then he goes on, he says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Well, those are good qualifications. We've, we've seen people that do otherwise, that, you know, some people um, keep their, their little flask <laughs> hidden away and take a nip every now and then. Well, you know, I, he says this isn't the purpose. That's not what we should be doing. We should not be malicious, malicious gossips. I'll tell you what, gossip is one thing that tears people down. And unfortunately, I don't think any of us can say we've never done any of that. None of us. Myself included. But we need to keep ourselves under control so that we don't get caught up in that. That is a bad thing. That can tear churches apart. It can tear families apart. It can set one person against another just because of something that somebody said. We need to be very careful with that. Now he's talking here to older women, but it means it's to everybody. We need to all be careful of that. We're to be reverent in behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, and teaching what is good. Now, Jesus, a uh, man came up and he said, Good master, what must I do to be saved? But he says, there is none good but God. Jesus said this. Now, he ought to know, <laughs> as the Son of God, having been there at the beginning of creation. And we need to take his word for it. I, I'm going to go on here. It says, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Let's stop there. There were two places in what I read there where it says, so that or 
I think the King James just says that. And this, it indicates the purpose for being this way. For these people doing these things so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now there were two things there. First of all, these older women were to be setting a good example in their own lives so that they might encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to, you know. There's a reason for that. So that those children will grow up to be what they need to be because their mothers taught them that. Because their grandmother set a good example. <laughs> All right. So, and then he goes on, and to love their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Because if they don't do that, it doesn't bring honor on the church. It doesn't bring honor on God, whom they purport to serve. Verse 6 goes on, it says, Likewise, urge the young, uh, the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that. Here we, here we have another so that. It says, this is the reason. So that the so that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us that we don't want to give them a foot in the door we don't want to give them a way to put us down a reason to say aha <laughs> you know we want to be careful of that he's talking to the young men here but does that mean that it, Everybody else is excluded? <laughs> not, no, not, a, not a bit. This is God's will for, our, for the church, for, the, for his people to be exemplary. And it says they're dignified. Now, this is for young men. That's a, that's a big step for a young man. Sometimes they, they want to be doing it all out there um, not necessarily being dignified in either. But he said that about the older men too. The older men needed to be dignified also. Dignity. I don't, I don't know how to define dignity. We know it when we see it, but we don't, <laughs> I don't know how to define it. But it, it's not being flighty, not, being, um, not flying off the handle, so to speak. About being dignified versus being versus overreacting. Overreacting. That's another. Being dignified in your response means that you're respect. You're also respectful of, respectful. of the one That's... that is approaching you, and you're not giving them. You're not. You're not giving over to your eyes. You're not. You're not upset when in response. You're not agitated. You're not. 
you're being respectful. One of the things that I, I feel that we, to, to most Baptist discredit, and I'm just going to say Baptist in a far overreaching loose term, is that um, Scripture talks about not approving of those lifestyles, men with men and women with women. But I've, I've mentioned this myself. You can't win people to the Lord if you're out there screaming and yelling in their face telling them they're going to hell because they're not living this life. That is not what the Lord's people are supposed to be about. And, it, and, it, and it, when we interact with them, we're to have these same attributes. We're not dealing with them like this. Then we're putting ourselves to shame. Yes. Because we don't have the mind of Christ there. Amen. He talked with those people he didn't agree with, and he told them, you know, plain, plain and simple, you know, this is the expectation from the Lord. I yes. mean, and not, and not so many words, but that's what he said. So We can say to, it in so many words, today, too. Right. Today, <laughs> so many people have 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 taken up the mantle that, that their, their self-righteousness, they can go out and talk to these people any way they want to or ignore them just because of who they are. We have no right to do that as the Lord's people. No. No. I, I think that's a that's good. Um, sound speech that is re beyond reproach. This is verse 8. So that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. That should be our goal. Not give them anything to, bad to say about us as God's people. Urge bond slaves. He goes on here, he says, slaves, servants, bond slaves, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. <laughs> That's, I, hey, I'll tell you what, there are people that will argue with you just for the sake of arguing. <laughs> and he says if you're a slave don't worry about that do what you're to do you're you're sold into bondage maybe you had debts and you said okay I'll work for you I'll work it off I'll, I'll wash dishes I'll whatever you know to pay for my lunch that may not you've been indebted yourself but what this is saying is do it to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. Don't, don't quibble about it. Get the job done. You know? It, it's right in the Lord. It, it, and if, so you're a slave. Big deal. I mean, slavery was everywhere back there. Fortunately, we don't have that. We have people who are in bondage to other people here. And we need to realize that. But if you're, if you are, do what is right and pleasing, provided you're not going against God. All right, that let's let's move on. Now this next part, and I'm going to read from verse 11 through verse 15, and I want you to listen to this as I read it, and understand that this is who we all should be. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. God, Jesus came to bring salvation to all men. 
instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. This age, whatever it is, whether it's Rome back then, the Roman government, in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own purpose and for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. We should want to do good things all the time. Zealous. Paul was a zealot for the Jews. He was wrong. God turned him around. He says, but be a, be a zealot for good deeds now. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. He's talking to Titus here. He says, you're a young man, but don't let anybody put you down for these things. When you're teaching this, you're teaching God's will for their lives and you're setting an example in your own. Okay, All right. now I, I just read that. I, I made very little comment on it, but I think we all can see what that is saying and who we should be. Here he goes on, he goes into a demonstration of good works. In relation to governments, he starts off, it says, remind them, be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to, mal to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men, not just the people you like, not just the people in the church, not just the people you get along with, but to all men. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's a different, it's a whole new paradigm. It, it's a different way of looking at things. And he has done that. It's God that has done it, not not the works that we've done. And he speaks, going on speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that, there's another so that in there, so that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. Wow. Inheritance because of what Jesus did. Not because of anything I've done. I can't keep myself saved. 
This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. He says, this is good for you. It's good for everyone who will do it. There are things that keep us from being what we should be, and we need to avoid those things in our own lives. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. That's what these Judaizers were bringing in. They said, well, you, you've been saved. Now you need to do this and this and this and this and this to be sanctified, to be purified, to be worthy, to be whatever. That's not what the Word says. That's not, that's not what Jesus came to bring. He says, reject a factious man after the first and second warning knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. He condemns himself by doing those things. Now what's factious? Who has a good definition of factious? You know what that, I looked it up in the dictionary last night. What is factious? Okay. Well, okay. We, we know that there were different sects of Jews. Okay, know, many factions, weren't there? And they were like, no, we're right, no, we're right, no, we're right. Right. It was always a division. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and all of And the scribes. And, and, the, the, and, and lawyers and, you know. The, 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 exact. Okay, this gives us an idea. But there are other terms that Fill, fill in with this. Uh, a factious man. Uh, here, okay. He's contentious. He says he ha he's contending that this is this is the way it ought to be. Uh, he's self-seeking. That is egocentric. He's that, that's one of these factious people. Uh, there, he's raising dissension or, and he's causing division. This is one of those troublemakers who was spoken of earlier. He's a, he's, they are causing these factions and saying, you have to do it this way, you have to do it this way, that way. But it, he says he's a man, he says, reject a factious man after the first and second warning knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning being self-condemned I'm, I'm not going to go into the personal messages and greetings there at the end but I do want to go to the book of John and read what Jesus had to say I'm, I, now this is just I we're running a little bit over here. I, I want you to uh, see this. Uh, 
John chapter 3, starting with verse 17. 